Welcome to Step Zero, where we learn about the people behind the amazing work that we see. How do they push through Step Zero and launch their passion projects? Today, we're hearing about Belma McCaffrey's story on how she launched her company Work Bigger, which is a community for women who want to make a bigger impact in this world and to support women through the hardest transitions in their lives. Belma and I actually have very similar mindsets on how we approach our passion projects, as you will hear from her about Work Bigger and from me about the Step Zero podcast. So let's get right to it. Thank you so much for joining me, Belma. Thank you for having me, yeah. Vicky. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, and I'm just so glad that we got to meet through your community, actually, Work Bigger. And it'd be great if you could start off by just sharing a little bit about Work Bigger and what you're doing with it. Yeah. Um, so Work Bigger is a career change and development platform, primarily for women. We do have male readers on our website, but it is primarily for women. Um, our focus is to challenge the status quo and redefine work because I believe that work is really a vehicle to flow and creativity. It's really when we tap into our creativity that we can solve some of our biggest problems. Um, impact as well, and just a, another vehicle to live an awesome life. And we do that in three ways, community, which is how you and I met, uh, programming and education and coaching, and the third piece is content. We offer content and resources on our website, workbigger.co. Yeah. There's so many parts to it already, yeah. and I just joined the community, and I really only learned about the community in general, but having educational courses and coaching, that's amazing. Yeah, thank so, you. Can I just ask how you started yeah. and what gave you this idea? Oh my gosh. So how I started is actually a loaded question. If you're ready <laughs> for the story, it's been quite a process. Um, well, the Work Bigger started as a blog, which I launched in January of 2016. I started writing about career and women and everything that we're going through as we're progressing in our careers. When I launched the blog, I was super burnt out. I had actually just shut down another company that I was working on called Bold. And that company had a similar mission, I would say, or it was really, it was another career platform for women. And I was working to get that company off the ground while I was working full-time at the Associated Press. And my son was only a few months old, so I was a new mom. And I had no idea what I was doing in motherhood, and I had no idea what I was doing in entrepreneurship. While working full-time, it was really exhausting. So I ended up shutting that down, and writing was the only way that I could pick myself back up and find my voice and continue my mission. And as I started writing, and actually I knew when I launched the blog that health, mental wellness had to be a core part of the mission because that was something that I was not thinking about previously. And I came to this realization that without that peace, without the mental health, without that inner peace that we need, success is really pointless and really there is no success without it. So I started blogging and a few months in, I was trying to figure out what the product was going to be. I had no idea. You know, I was really just picking myself back up at this point. But as I started writing, I started developing a framework, which is all about finding your mission because my mission, my purpose was the thing that kept me going during this really difficult burnout that I went through. So I put together this framework and I said, I'm going to launch a pilot program and I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to test my idea. And I, I put it out there. It was a paid pilot. We had signups right away. And that's where I had my proof of concept. From there, I decided to cut back to part-time at the Associated Press. 
uh, because I knew this time if I was going to do it right, if I was going to be an entrepreneur and get my company off the ground, I was not going to burn out and I had to do it the right way. That is a whole other topic that we can talk about. Negotiating a part-time role was very challenging. I, you know, I went through just a lot of fear associated with making that ask, even though negotiation is something that I've taught, that I've done throughout my career. This is a different situation. So we could talk about that if you mm-hmm, want. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then after, you know, after we launched the pilot program, then, you know, we were able to get more feedback and the program evolved from a four-week course to an eight week. And then from there, we ran it a couple more times and I started building a network of career coaches so that, you know, in addition to the online curriculum, participants or students can also get one-on-one support to really make that sustainable transition or development that they're looking for for their career. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's been were quite you, a process. Were you always on track to start your own company? Did you always think I will be an entrepreneur? Because you started, you said you started bold, and then and then you started work bigger. Did you always have this mindset of I'm going to start a company, or did this grow out of yeah. you having the burnout in the blog? Well, I actually remember. I think I was maybe 25 or 26 when I was working at Group M. I remember being in the elevator and having this weird feeling out of nowhere. And I really loved my job at Group M. I was a media supervisor. I had this feeling of, I want to create. And I, I, and I remember exactly where I was. It was like one of those aha moments, right? But I didn't know what that meant. And I'm like, okay, I know I want to create. I don't know what that means. All of a sudden, I started finding myself reading a lot about entrepreneurship and started gravitating towards business. But I was not prepared. I didn't even know like how to get started. So I thought, I'll go to business school and maybe that'll help me figure it out. So once I went to business school, I started to learn a lot more, obviously, about what running a business entails, even though grad school will not teach you how to be an entrepreneur. I think it's two very different things. Um, But that's kind of where my passion for business was really solidified. And I started seeing this problem while I was in business school, I saw that all of my classmates were looking at business school as their do-over, and everyone was like, I don't know what I want to do with my career or my life, and I'm feeling really stuck, so I'm going to go to grad school and spend thousands of dollars and, you know, make, like, basically leave my full-time job, which is a massive financial investment in and of itself, and that's where I became obsessed with solving this problem. So I would say... I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur, but it was something that had been in the back of my mind for quite a while, and it took some time for me to get the courage to be like, okay, I, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you go into that? Um, what was that? How did you build that courage, and how did you actually take that first step? Because um, you could have done that like five years ago or ten yeah. years later, but... Mm-hmm. How did you decide, you know, this is the moment, this is my time to start this? I don't know. I feel like it just got to a point where I really wanted to do it, and waiting wasn't an option. So once I finished business school, my two friends and I, we all, the three of us went to business school together, we had the concept of bold, and we were actually exploring this business idea in our social entrepreneurship class. And when we graduated, I was looking for full-time work. I actually ended up accepting a full-time role at the AP. I also found out I was pregnant, and but I did not want to give up. Like, I just didn't want to stop. And looking back, and this is something that I'm, 
I think about all the time. I don't know if not stopping always came from this like deep authentic place. Part of it was maybe ego too, like committing to wanting, committing to this idea and then wanting to pursue it. So oftentimes I think I'm like, huh, I'm like, what moments were ego driven? What moments were really authentic? But I think for me deep down, creating and being a creator comes from a really authentic place. So whether that looks like creating a business or writing or something else, it doesn't really matter. I just know I need to be doing it. Mm -hmm, Does mm -hmm. that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. And you were really bringing out something that you knew was a part of you. Yeah, exactly. Because it was really, it was connected to a personal pain point that I'd experienced. I, my 20s were great, but they were also really frustrating. I felt like I had all of this creativity that was bottled up and I didn't know what to do with it. So there was like, I didn't have like any creative outlets or at least I didn't properly seek them out or find them. Right. And I had all of this ambition, but it just, I don't know. There was like a disconnect. I was finding, I was feeling disconnected at work and I couldn't understand it. I couldn't find any resources to help me figure out what was going on, to help me figure out what it was that I wanted to do, where all this like frustration was coming from. And I knew how much that sucked. And I saw that that really hasn't changed in the, you know, in the past few years. It has changed to an extent because we see a lot more people taking charge of their careers and doing work that's really meaningful to them. But there's also, like I see it with recent graduates, there's still a lot of frustration. Like people are still talking about the quarter-life crisis. I spoke on a panel uh, with Label League the other, I think it was back in March, and we were still talking about the quarter-life crisis. And I'm like, this is still a conversation because these, this is a deeply seated, like rooted problem that we're not addressing. Mm -hmm. And so you decided to address it by going to business school. And it definitely sounds like you had so much on your plate, even though you were mm -hmm. on the path of, you know, letting your creativity out. What was the reality you had to face starting work bigger? Yeah. So the reality was that, you know, I had to figure out how to leverage my constraints, meaning I was working full time when I started the blog. So I also would come home and, you know, I, I'm a mom. So it would mean being with my family on the weekends. I didn't have weekends to work. So one thing that I learned to do really well was leverage my constraints, thinking about, well, what do I have to work with right now? How can I use my constraints to an advantage? I think sometimes we see certain, I keep using the words constraint, but we see certain constraints that we're facing and we say to ourselves, I can't do it. But I think having certain limitations pushes you to be more creative. So I started finding gaps in the day where I could think about the stuff that really interested me and I would incorporate that, those things into the blog. So, and I was okay with doing it slowly because I didn't want to burn out again. Um, yeah, so I think working through that and then thinking through what sacrifices do I need to make right now? So if that means cutting back on my social life, okay. I'm okay with that because my top priorities were and still are my family and my work. And those are my two like driving forces. And the third piece is negotiating a part-time role at the AP, which was really scary because I didn't want them to think that I wasn't committed, right? I was always committed while I was there, but I also knew that I had these goals and this vision. And in order to bring that vision to life, it means it meant I had to let go of something. And so you decided you could cut back 
and move from full-time to Mm part-time. How did that process go? It was really challenging. Um, It was challenging because I had a lot of fear. Like, again, I didn't want them to think I wasn't committed. I didn't want them to be disappointed. But I went in, I made the ask. It took a while to get the part-time offer. I actually ended up resigning because it was taking a long time and I didn't know if it was going to happen. And I said, okay, I understand. Like, if this isn't something that we can do, then I'm going to have to just resign and I'm going to have to hustle and figure it out. And then, you know, and then I got the part-time role. And that made a world of difference because it allowed me to build work bigger two days a week on Thursdays and Fridays and stay at the AP three days a week. So I was able to continue supporting my family. So it was huge, you know, finding that solution. And I did that for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems like this was one of your fears, but what would you say was the biggest thing that really scared you about starting work bigger and how you go down this path? Well, I w- I'll tell you my biggest fear has always been letting my family down. So um, I don't, I'm trying to remember if you were in the Work Bigger community, I led a Facebook Live when I left the AP and I started crying in the middle of the Facebook Live because this has been really challenging for me, right? I have a three-year-old son, um, I'm married, and I, I don't ever want to disappoint them, right? Because obviously whatever failures I have will impact them. So that's been my biggest fear. And it continues to be something that I work through every single day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you say let your family down, do you mean like they had expectations for you? What did that exactly mean? Well, I feel like when you're a parent, you put certain expectations on yourself too. Like you want to be able to provide for your family in a certain way. And, you know, I, I, that, that's to me, letting them down obviously would be like putting any financial burden on them, not being able to give my son everything I want to give him, putting limitations on, on our life, limitations that can be really impactful, like education, for example, again, going back to my son. So things like that. But one thing that I remember and that keeps me really grounded and helps me work through that is, and I'm still processing this, it's taken me almost three years. My son, is he's you know a little older than three years. But what keeps me grounded is thinking and remembering that motherhood and entrepreneurship for me are very much tied together. It's almost like I can't choose one over the other because... When I talk about creating or when I talk about building a business or when I talk about work bigger and the mission, that's very much connected to to who I am. And it's been such a massive part of my growth and my personal development. And that's what I want to teach my son. I want to teach him that anything is possible. You should work from a meaningful place if that's what resonates with you, if that's important to you. And I want to teach him to follow his, his gut and his intuition versus you know, working from a place of fear. I don't want him to work from a place or live from a place of fear. I want him to live from a place of possibility because life is really short. What else is the point really? So Mm -hmm. the two things are so connected for me. And that's what I always try to remember when I'm having a moment of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. And it grounds me a lot. Mm -hmm. Just by leading by example Mm -hmm. and showing that this is what you can do. And would you say you made a lot of sacrifices or is it just these are the necessary steps to take? No, I actually don't really believe in, to me, the term making sacrifices has 
a little bit of a negative connotation. Yeah, and I right? feel like that's what society likes to label yeah. when people make certain decisions. Yeah. And especially when it comes to women and trying to start a family, yeah. they always talk about it as it's either a sacrifice or yeah. you're being selfish. Yeah, it really doesn't resonate with me. And it's funny because I grew up hearing this, like, my parents made a lot of sacrifices. Like, I was telling you the other day, I was born in Albania and we left when I was seven years old. And I grew up hearing about all the sacrifices my parents made. And they did. Like, it was not easy leaving their home. But for some reason, the term of, like, making a sacrifice to me, I, I connect that with you're doing something that's not in alignment with who you are and what you want. Like, you're going against something that you believe in, almost. It just has a negative connotation. So I don't view anything I've done as making sacrifices. For me, being a mom... And running a business, those are my those are my choices. Like that's what I want my life to be. Those are my most important values. So does that mean that again, like maybe my social life, you know, takes a toll or I'm not hanging out with my friends as much? Okay, but that's not a sacrifice. You know, because I'm doing what makes me what brings me to life the most. Mm -hmm. Being your authentic self. Yeah. As long as you're on that on that path. Yeah. Exactly. It's not, it can't be considered a sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm okay with that. And I would say if I wasn't okay with that, then then I'd need to relook at what I was doing, you know? Then maybe I shouldn't be spending so much time working, you know, or I should be focusing on other things if it mm -hmm. feels like a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So what really got the ball rolling once you figured out this is who I am mm -hmm. and you were saying, I have this blog, this could turn into a community. Mm-hmm. How did you keep that ball rolling and really taking it from just an idea to what it is now and just mm -hmm. really fully fleshed out? Well, the ball is still rolling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just little by little, I think actually launching the community took me longer than I wanted because I wasn't sure that I wanted to do it. I wasn't sure that it was the right fit. We tested a community on Slack with a few work bigger members and it was going really well. And that's where I saw I'm like, okay, let me let me do this. Let me start a community. And then once I did it, I was really happy that that I did because I saw that people were coming together in a new way. Um, I think connection is really important. I actually think it's what's missing when it comes to career transition. There's a lot of networks and communities out there, but I think Finding a group of people where you're really emotionally connected to can do wonders for your life. So I saw that community had the power to do that. So I'm so glad I did it. But, you know, it's still early. Like, we haven't been around that long. Mm -hmm. So I'm How still, long has it been? Um, we launched the community in June of 2017. So, yeah, a year. A year. And we're growing it slowly. So we curated. We want to make sure the women who are in there are in there for the right reasons we want to create a safe space for people to have a conversation around, you know, a lot of these big issues like the roadblocks that women have with career change. A lot of it is about confidence, mental health, all that stuff. And I think if we're going to be able to do that, we need to make sure it's contained. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For this idea, you said it came from just seeing that a lot of people were going through this, like how to deal with the mental health and how to with be work authentic. Bigger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that I, I'm seeing a lot of just everywhere. I think that there's a lot of support, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you work in an organization, 
there's a lot of content and resources on strategy and, you know, how to make a career transition, update your resume this way, and make sure you include this in your cover letter, and here's like five tips to stand out, and there's a lot of content that way, but I think what's missing is the deeper support that people need. I think you mentioned this as you were talking about the purpose of why you launched this podcast, right? It's Mm -hmm. like we have all these tools and we're told like if you do X, Y, Z, you'll be able to get this idea off the ground or you'll you'll be able to land that job. But somehow it's still not happening, right? Something still isn't working. Something still isn't aligning. And I think it's because we're not working on the inner stuff, Mm -hmm. the fear, the mindset. I, I mean, I think that's much more complicated. And it's because that topic, fear in and of itself, it's not talked about enough in our education, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about Mm -hmm. our traditional education, we're taught sociology and history and math, all of this great stuff. But what about emotional intelligence and really understanding ourselves? What about building our self-awareness so that we can become our own agents and be more aware of what's holding us back so that we could solve these problems, right? What's what's -hmm. getting in our way? Oftentimes, we don't even know what is getting in our way? So we're going around and spinning our wheels and trying the same things and nothing's changing. And we're like, what am I doing wrong? And it's really demoralizing. So for Work Bigger, that's one key way that we differentiate from other career change platforms is that we want to have these conversations. We want to focus a lot more on the inner game. And we do focus a lot more on the inner game. All of our coaches who are on the platform are heart-centered. So their goal is not just to coach you on a career change or career development, but really to help you make that transition sustainable. So to help you figure out what's really holding you back and how can you change that in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. I love how you focus so much on just being so emotionally grounded. Mm -hmm. And I feel like If we're able to look internally Mm -hmm. and be emotionally stable and really understand ourselves, we can do better work Yeah. instead of just focusing on the external things Yeah. and what we got to do, what we got to show. Yeah, because I mean, I tried the other way. Like when I Mm -hmm, graduated business school, Mm -hmm. yeah, did you with, is that what you saw too? Yeah, yeah, just for one, going to a good school, you Mm -hmm. know, since growing up, people tell you go to good school, get a good job. Mm -hmm. And so you try to go for, to have that name and then to also go to a good company and then have like a desired role and get that title. It's all about the title Mm -hmm. and trying to get the promotion but you always feel like something's so empty on the inside and you can't yeah. fill that up with all these yeah. external things. Yeah. And I, I felt similarly. Like I went, when I graduated business school, I was like, oh, great. I have all these frameworks on how to launch a successful company because I studied all these different cases and I, you know, I see what all of the unicorn companies did out there. So that's what I'm going to go do. And it doesn't work. Like that's not how, that's not, that's not sustainable. It needs to be mm-hmm. a lot deeper than mm-hmm. that. And that's not how people function in general. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why we have thoughts and Mm -hmm. feelings. Yeah. And I think society devalues that, that we tend to forget about that. And instead, we don't live a very stable life and nothing is long term. It's all about the Mm -hmm. short term gain. Yeah. But what really matters in fulfillment is fulfilling yourself so that you can fulfill like your work. And yes all these external projects. And that's how we make an impact. When we're coming from that connected place, as an individual, we can then 
also, we also give others permission to do that. And I love that you're talking about, you know, we're talking a little bit about the emotions here. Everyone has always said, Belma, you're so sensitive. And I get that all the time. <laughs> I still get it. I'm a crier. Um, we have that emotion for a reason. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, you know what? I actually feel like that's a strength. So stop knocking on me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, I kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it makes me, I think it helps a lot for me personally with the self-awareness stuff. It would be a lot harder to tune into that if I wasn't allowing myself to feel whatever it is that that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. And I like to tie that back to just how being authentic is the best way to go. Like mm-hmm. nothing can be authenticity. No matter what you do, mm-hmm. no one can pull you down. There's nothing people can say. There's nothing you can say that could really go against authenticity. So if you really strive to be your authentic self, then you're doing all the right things. So can I turn the mic on you for a second? Okay. (laughs) How do you define authenticity? I think it goes back to knowing what your values and principles are Mm -hmm. in life and being able to know that about yourself and know what has shaped you. So for Mm -hmm. me, it'd be culture. And um, my family, they taught me about values and principles and just knowing that about yourself and knowing what you can't compromise. So if this goes against your values, I don't think that's being your authentic self Mm -hmm. because you're just going down a path that you always feel friction, even though it seems right on the outside, it's not right for you. Mm -hmm. So what makes us unique is having all of that, like knowing your identity, values, principles, Mm -hmm. and solidifying that. So every action you take and all the work that you do is really an extension of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you're talking about values because that's a, you know, that I grew up hearing a lot from my family, right? But it's not talked about really in a formal education setting where we spend most of our time mm-hmm. growing up. And I think values are so important. And I talk about this in Work Bigger all the time, but I really, I think they should govern every area of our lives, right? Not just our work and the companies that we work with, but how we spend our money and who we're hanging out with. So I think it's awesome that you said that because I do feel once you're clear on that piece, what's really most important to you, things start to fall into place. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of mm-hmm. know, like, no, this isn't right for me. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And you're able to be so confident in everything you do, not just when it comes to work, but also with just relationships, mm-hmm. how you interact with people, how you react in certain situations. And you're no longer in confusion when you're like, oh, why am I like this? Yeah. Like, sure, we have those days where we're confused, but you're able to kind of go back to, okay, is this true to who I am? Yeah, you're grounded. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I love love that. Yeah. I was like, everything you're saying, I really resonate with. Do you think anything has changed since you started Work Bigger? (sighs) A lot has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's hard to like summarize exactly what has changed, but, and things are continuing to change like every single day. Um, the biggest thing is tapping into my own confidence and self-worth because that was a big roadblock that I had to overcome. Mm -hmm. Starting a business means putting yourself out there, right? For criticism and for nasty comments. And not that, you know, I've had so much of that, but it's still, you know, it's scary judgment. So I would say learning to tune out the outside voices. Now I feel like I'm much more surrounded by positivity because it's intentional again with like how I spend my time and who I spend my time with. 
But I think that's been the biggest thing, just tapping into my own confidence, trusting, cultivating faith. You know, I, I don't feel like that's something that I thought was an important tool to success, but now I see that it's, for me anyway, it's absolutely imperative. And what does faith look like, right? So I've become a lot more spiritual than I was in my younger years. Um, and that's really helpful in those moments of uncertainty, like just going inward and finding the answers within myself and realizing they're not out there. I have the answers and that's really empowering mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. then I can bring that to other members at work bigger too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You do have the answers. Yeah. I love that where you look to yourself for the answers mm -hmm. and nothing, no one on the outside, nothing on the outside can give you that answer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest advice you could give to someone who's trying to start their passion project? So I feel like we always hear, just get started. And I do mm -hmm. think that that's really good advice because action allows you to collect a lot of data and it helps you figure out if you're on the right path or not. It might also give you an experience that you weren't aware of. Something as small, like, and I remember, I guess the way I started on this path, it's, it did start with business school. And it was when I made a decision to sign up for like a Kaplan course to, you know, get help with the GMAT. And that was one small thing that I did, right? Committing to that. And it has led me here because that event, even though I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I definitely want to go to business school. I don't know if this is right for me, but I took that and, you know, that revealed the next step and the next step revealed the next step. So I think that gets started. The other thing is figure out what grounds you. I feel like it can just be mental chaos when you're taking risks, especially in the beginning, that lack of confidence or fear can really run your life. So don't let it. So find a practice that grounds you, makes you feel connected and helps you cultivate more trust in yourself. That I think has been the number one thing for me. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Belma. Yeah, thank you, great. Vicky. Thank yeah. you so much, and thank you for the work you're doing. I just love these conversations. I think we need to have more of them. I feel like there's a shift happening in our society where more and mm -hmm. more people are moving towards challenging the status quo around work. So I get super excited when I hear other people working on similar projects. Uh, I just feel that life is too short, and, you know, let's, yeah. let's just have fun. Yeah. That's it. That's Why like, not? <laughs> yeah, exactly.